For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. You know, last year in the Super Bowl, there was lots of bets going on. Uh, a lot of people got nervous when Kansas City was down, even in the fourth quarter. But they pulled through for those Kansas City betters, and they're right back here in the opener this season. So for game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. There's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Welcome into a brand new episode of the Believe in Clippers podcast. Jesse Cass and Alex Acker back with you here as always. Uh, weather in good times or in bad times as the Clippers have had a couple of just insane demoralizing losses to take this series to a very unexpected Game 7. So we sit 3-3. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about to break down. Just two uh, heart-wrenching, pretty you know inexplainable games for the Clippers to, to blow back-to-back huge leads. But we're here to break it down for you on the Believe in Clippers podcast. Alex, uh, how's everything going for you out there over in Italy? Solid, solid. Everything's going good, man. Uh, yes, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a terrible situation as far as watching these games because I'm staying up to 3, 4 o'clock in the morning trying to, you know, make sure these, game, these games get are, are good and, and all of a sudden then they just go left, you know, at the end of the minute. So it's kind of like, Damn, bro, like, I don't, I don't even understand why they're, they're losing these games this close. The Clippers are really a good team, and then all of a sudden they just crumble, you know. So these two games are really crucial for these guys to lock into, and they didn't take it serious at all and finish the job. Yeah, and it's for, for Clipper fans in particular, and obviously that's who, you know, the target audience is for this, just kind of like we said, it's, it's some PTSD from 2015. We know this is a completely, totally different roster, uh, but the the circumstance is the same of being up three one in the second round, you know, feeling like you're the superior team, being in the driver's seat, having a huge lead, and then just kind of like you said, inexplicably, just melting down and kind of freezing down the stretch and and letting these leads slip away, and then kind of just I don't yeah, it's hard to really explain. But this team is a uh, back to back games now, been in the driver's seat, played great to start, came out with the right energy, and then just couldn't sustain it over a full forty eight minutes. Yeah, and I, I definitely got to say this, though. Um, it's the, it's these five guys that's out there on the court. This isn't Doc Rivers' fault. Um, this is nobody's fault outside of those five guys that's on the court. Um, got, Doc Rivers put these guys in a great situation to be here to this point and, and giving these guys so many ways of, of, of prevailing and stuff like that. Call It's only so many timeouts you can call to get these guys going. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't make no sense, like you said. And up 18, 16 points with eight minutes in the third quarter. Um, 
and then you got your best starting five out there. You know what I mean? He's not even like trying to give guys rest. He wants to kill these guys. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, you got the Joker and Murray getting back to back and ones um, in Game Six. That was really crucial. You know what I mean? We're talking about playoff basketball. From that point, you're not supposed to be giving up and ones, giving these guys momentum, knowing the caliber of player. Uh, these two players that they are, they just need that momentum, you know, and, and that really like solidified the game of getting it, cutting it close to, you know, um, and that's the, that's the icing on the cake right there. I've seen the momentum going shifting real fast. Um, the Clippers is really, man, I don't know, man. They, they need to lock in really bad and figure this shit out. Cause, um, missing 10 shots in a row, you know, it, it and those then third quarter is really bad, um, and they they really have to just like figure out what their weapons are. It seemed like they ran out of gas in the third quarter, but uh, there's no excuse to that at all. Yeah, no, I do think you know certain and some of the rotations in terms of the substitutions could and should be fixed for Game Seven, and we'll get into that in a little bit as well. But to your point about the third quarter in particular, because that's really where both of these games turned. You know, the Clippers. And each of the past two games been up by 16. They went up by 19, actually, in Game 6 as well. And then this third quarter in Game 6, the most recent game, it just became a parade to the free throw line for the Nuggets. And, you know, you can question some calls, but at a certain point you have to adapt to how the game is being officiated. And Nuggets went to the free throw line 16 times in the quarter. They weren't even converting shots on the offensive end. Clippers were just sending them to the free throw line. And then, like you said, they were unable to make a shot whether that's their own offense being stagnant and being slowed down by the free throw game, but you co- you know you combine the 0 for 10 or 10 straight misses with the Nuggets just getting two free throws every time down the court. It pretty yeah. much took away their whole lead without the Nuggets really having to do anything. They just were going to the free throw line repeatedly. Going to the free throw line, getting their rhythm, getting their legs back, getting their wind back. And, you know, on top of that, this guy, the Joker, man, he's hitting some one-legged, off-rhythm, off-balance shots, and and it's good defense, but at the same time, he's hitting these things, you know what I mean? So it's kind of hard to, like, weigh in to see, like, what we can do next, and everybody's looking around like, shit, I can't, I can't do nothing if he's hitting these type of shots. Well, don't let him catch the ball. It's not like he's just cutting back door by no means. Face guard is dude or something, you know what I mean? Stop switching that pick and roll and leaving him wide open countless times and he's just setting his feet knocking down the rainbow threes crazy good arc and they're just going in splash one two three all right now we got to figure this out we got to switch hedge hard to get somebody else in in that rotation where we can get him to pass the ball you know what i mean even though he's a great pass one of the greatest passes of a big man but if, if a guy is shooting like this you got to get the ball out of his hands yeah and i think that's where the the right lineups like you said and right rotation are in there and you know this is not a a bashing on on Doc Rivers I do think there are some things that he can do better and I think that you know as we've seen just from the numbers and and kind of the eye test that as much as Montrez Harrell has been a monster this year sixth man of the year and we love Montrez this this Nuggets matchup is a bad matchup for him defensively because as you know as you mentioned Joker is almost impossible to guard for anyone but the numbers for, for Zubats and, and Jamichael Green, and Zubats in particular, are much better. And Harrell is just, it's a tough matchup for him. He's undersized in that. He's having trouble covering the pick and roll. And, you know, in that fourth quarter, with about nine minutes to go, 
Nuggets had already, you know, it had already they'd taken the lead away, essentially. It's basically a tie game. Kawhi hits a three, makes it a one-point game. Then you got a, you have a timeout there with nine minutes where the game had already been going back and forth and the lead was already lost. They leave in that lineup with, with Trez out there. And then, like you just alluded to, kind of two splash three-pointers from Jokic on missed coverages on the pick and roll, and all of a sudden it's a seven-point game and you're kind of in a hole and then, they never got out of it from there. So it's it's those kind of adjustments, and especially in a Game 7 coming up, where you kind of have to really extend, like you said, your top guys 40, 44, 45 minutes at this point. Because as we've seen, mm-hmm. despite the Clippers' great depth right now, a lot of these role players are not playing up to their capabilities. And it's it's going to be on these starters and, and Zubats as well to to really you know take it home if they are able to get a big lead again. Yeah, they they can't they can't uh, their energy by no means, and I, I'm not saying that like shoot they they're they're working hard for sure, but yeah. you know um, offensive, I think that uh, Zubac and um, uh, Lou has to actually you know contribute a little bit more, yeah, um, and to step up a little bit more from that point. Yep. Yeah, no, Zub obviously said his defense has been good, but to your point, he has not been as effective on the offensive end in the past few games and. And obviously, you know, we might not even be talking about a game seven um, if Lou Williams has been shooting, you know, or if Lou Williams was shooting like we expect him to. You know, he is starting to turn that around. He was five for 11 in game six, did make a three-pointer, only shot two. But he's three of 23 from three-point range in this series. That's 13%. You throw Landry Shamit in there, he's three of 17 from three-point range. So even with, you know, Kawhi and Paul George, both of them kind of, scoring and playing well some of these other offensive weapons are are not and you know marcus morris only five points in game six so it can't just be one or two guys they have to still have their collective group come through like they're used to yeah yeah i remember the first um the first game we talked about how the bench has to step up um with uh, with denver and they're doing a great job porter's doing an awesome job you know what i mean he he talked what he said he wanted he wanted the ball He's hitting some clutch threes down the stretch. Game five, yeah, Millsop definitely dominated the third quarter, and that's what led them to that, um, him having 13 points straight. Um, so these guys are really stepping up, even though Millsap is a starter. Um, he's been quiet off and on, but when he needs to shine, he hit a big shot in, in game six as well. You know what I mean? A, a tough runner uh, layup to carry it on and get that momentum going as well. So uh, these guys are really stepping up. You know. Yeah, I mean, that's something that shouldn't be lost in this. I do think that this is, you know, the Clippers, this is them kind of melting down and collapsing in the end of these games. But at the same time, I mean, give Denver credit as well because there are plenty of points where other teams would have folded or packed it in and, you know, said, oh, we had a good run, we had a good season. But in both of these games, they were down big and just refused to stop fighting and really playing with a lot of heart and energy and effort and you know, now you're in a situation where you've got a confident young team and, you know, you're going to really have to fight and claw for this game seven because you've given this team life by, you know, letting them back in these games. Yeah, yeah. Nah, you definitely gave them life. They got a heartbeat like crazy right now. Yeah, I mean, they've been at a heartbeat to bring them to come back uh, from these devastating uh, almost blowout games that could have happened, you know, and they kept fighting. Murray has a crazy engine, man. Just watching this dude. Um, just just exploding to the rim, not even caring who's in front of him. You got two of the best 
players in the league has guarded him countless times, you know, down the court. And he's he's on attack mode, you know what I mean? So that's something that you have to key in and figure out how to stop one of these guys, which is definitely hard to do. But I don't know if you got to attack these guys first or, or get the ball out their hands and try to have a scramble switch in these pick-and-roll situations. But something has to happen where they got to look at this film countless times and see what's going to happen um, in, this, in this next game. There's no way you can actually come in this game and expect that you're just going to dominate and just you know blow these guys out because they're not going nowhere right now. Yeah, and obviously there is film that exists from playing these coverages and doing this well. It's just in the first half of, of all these recent games uh, and not carrying <laughs> it over to the second. But but I, but I think one thing that will be important in this upcoming game that has hurt them and kind of you know maybe played a subtle role in these games is is foul trouble. And we know, obviously, we mentioned the free throws for Denver in the third quarter, but there have been multiple games this series where Paul George has picked up two or three fouls in the first half. We know he's pretty much the primary guy in Jamal Murray. And then the other one is Patrick Beverly, who fouled out in just 18 minutes. So even though he's a great defender as well, you got to have a little bit more discipline, not reach as much, and know how much your presence is valued out there. Because, as we said, once you're you're getting into foul trouble, if Shamit's out there and he's struggling and not making shots, and you know Lou Williams is struggling and not making shots, it just it makes it tougher for if the starters are also out of there with foul trouble and not able to contribute. Yeah, yeah, I think that um, that's that's the most important thing is. Um, just not just not just being patient stop trying to make these guys make mistakes and just let them let them you know play solid defense pat beverly is going ham he's od on defense right now and they need this guy to play defense you know we, we need pat beverly to be pat beverly but not too damn aggressive like he's doing crazy ill-advised fouls yeah really like countless back-to-back like he found once you take the ball out foul like chill the hell out bro you know what I mean like they're gonna call a foul you can't complain about that so I know it's playoff basketball but at the same time it's like okay there's a there's a there's a way and a balance to actually play aggressive defense he knows that for sure he does yeah he and knows he's, and he's one of the best defenders in the league and like you said that's what makes it even even more frustrating is you know these guys who are brilliant basketball players and some of the best in the world the best of what they do you mm-hmm. said you got to be able to read the situation a little bit as well. Like you said, if you're trying to go and be ultra-aggressive and you get that quick foul, like you said, you still can play tight, straight-up defense, but you can't be reaching in, bumping extra hard, and not expect to pick up another one and, and put yourself in a problem. For sure. For sure. That's not basketball. That's not smart basketball. That's just playing selfish in a way. You know. So, um, what do you think that, that, that has to be, you know um, – because the first thing that we saw in the first game, it was kind of like they kind of bullied them in a way. You know, even though Joker wasn't getting bullied, I don't know if he had like 20 or something points the first game, but, you know, you can't bully the Joker. You yeah. got to figure out another way to stop this guy because he, he is going, you know what I mean? He's playing his game regardless. And that's one thing that you got to understand. Like, you might have to be able to take advantage on him on the defensive end and bringing that, that screen out a little bit higher and stuff. Um, going back to the drawing board as far as what happened in game one and what, how you won that game, um, that's probably the keyest thing that I can say to lock into. Yeah, no, I mean, I think what we've learned in this series, and I think it would be 
the issue in any series because Joker is just is that good. But I don't really see a way for the Clippers to really slow him down. I do think playing Jamichael Green a little more as the primary big off the bench and, and playing Zubats more will be helpful, but I still think Joker's going to get his numbers. I think where, where this team has done the best, and you mentioned even though you know Murray is incredible, but we talked about it in our last episode, the numbers against Murray have been pretty good. It's just you got to carry that over for the entire game, and part of that is what we just talked about and not getting in foul trouble for, for PG and Beverly. If they can do that, I think that's a huge advantage. And then... You know, as you said, better coverage in these pick and rolls and stronger hedges, getting out to the three-point line quicker and, and clogging the lane on, on Denver when they drive. Because I think, you know, for the most part, uh, you know, they've defended the three-point line pretty well until the fourth quarter of each of these two games, uh, last two games. Yeah. So, um, you know, anything's, anything can happen in a game seven, though, and that's the, the kind of scary thing because even if you have all the right coverages and you're forcing guys like, Tory Craig and Jeremy Grant to shoot. Now it's just a one-game scenario, and while yeah. the percentages say they're going to miss that, it could be one of those games. And Clipper fans know know it well. We've seen Josh Smith do it. We've seen Corey Brewer do it. You know, Jeremy Grant could hit five threes in Game Seven, and then it doesn't really matter what you do. But uh, you know, I think that the best that they can focus on trying to slow down Murray and at least make Joker take a lot of those one-legged tough shots get out to the three-point line. He's going to make a lot of them, but uh, get into his body a little more and just try to force him into more turnovers, which is what we saw in game one. Yeah, for sure. The scenario of the, the Clippers winning this game is, is history-wise, is not happening. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you got to get over this hump. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't let faith um, predict this at all because it's not going to happen in your favor. So, um, yeah, you're right. You just got to be mindful of these things and know that you know these ball, the ball god is not in your favor of them just missing these shots so um i think that's the biggest thing right there is what you said is making sure these guys are are, are in tune man from the jump and not letting up um you got one basketball what i always said and i had a lot of coaches with, with great talent you got one basketball with so many stars you got to figure out a way to um, balance it out and when the t- time gets tough um, like this is happening I see them getting timid as far as passing the ball I see Kawhi Leonard on a little bit more extra stuff like that instead of swinging the ball the ball gets stagnant instead of getting that flow back into running and getting it going you know so those are one things that I'm seeing as a kind of like um, taking away from what they do best is, is, is you know pushing it right at them guys and gotten so many guys on the wing from, from Morris and all these guys that are supposed to be knocking down shots they're, they're timid it now so you know the, the pressure of them game five game six come, they got one more game it's a lot of pressure to win rather than just like the Nuggets coming out and just like shit if we lose then we lose but I'm gonna give it my all you know what I mean Our backs against the wall it's easier to play in that situation, you know? So. Yeah, and, and the Nuggets have said that. They have come out and said, you know, all the pressure's on the Clippers, and that's that's probably true because the Clippers the favorite team. They had the 3-1 lead, and as you mentioned, they have the history of, you know, it's not on its own a big deal to get to the Western Conference Finals, but yeah. it is for this franchise because they've never done it, and now there's <laughs> the stacked-up history of now 0 for 7 or, like, or O oh, of their last seven games when trying to close out to get to the conference finals. So 
Uh, you know, it might not mean a lot to get there on its own, but it's obviously a big cloud hanging over this team that they need to get past. And, uh, you know, hopefully they can do it in game seven, but uh, it's, you know, they obviously gave away two huge opportunities to, to close it out when they kind of had their hands on the wheel and were, were in control. Yeah, for sure. It'll be a huge monumental step for this team to, to crack that rotation as far as getting over that hump. You know, and they know that's on the on the pressure on them and that weight on them. So there's a lot of things that go into it, though. But I know you're not thinking about that when the game is up, but it seems like that pressure of, of you making shots um, and going over 10 is like, come on, man. Like, we got to figure out how to put the ball in the basket. Yeah, and, and you got to stop the bleeding and get to the free throw line. You know what I mean? Either or. Yeah, to your point, the Clippers were, I believe, the best team in the league at getting to the free throw line in the regular season. So. It's, it's something that's in their in their repertoire that they can do. And, and you touched on the stagnation of the offense a little bit. Um, what have you seen for the main reason of the differences between first half when they're rolling and the offense is clicking, they get these big leads, and second half? Why is the offense, uh, you know, in your estimation, why are they getting stagnant? Why are they kind of getting hesitant? Uh, what do you see out there on the floor for, for reasoning for – why these struggles have happened in the second half of these past two games? Well, I think also is that uh, the game in the, in the beginning is a little bit easier. You see Paul George coming off one screen, snaking the screen and knocking down 15-footers. He did it back-to-back. You know what I mean? Those easy buckets are huge. Um, the second half, I don't see them getting those easy buckets like that. You know what I mean? They're actually forcing a lot of shots. Um, you got Tyrone. You got Lou actually... Um, you know, taking his shots, but at the same time, he's got hands in his face. Um, you got guys second-guessing shots. You got guys not being so aggressive and assertive towards the rim and being timid, not trying to get fouled and stuff like that and relying on, you know, uh, the 15-footer and seeing that it's not working and still trying to just drill that in. Okay, if that's not happening, let's bring that in the post or, or let's get to our sweet spots in the post. Let's get a pump fake up and under and get fouled or something like that. Let's not just try to jump over every single body. Let's use our footwork and fundamentals and stuff and actually slow the, down the tempo. You can't run with these guys. Denver has been a proven team. Like for two, probably three years, they've been the number one team scoring wise. You know what I mean? So you got to slow it down and play, you know, playoff basketball and you have that potential to do that when you see it's not working in your favor, you know. So I think that's the hugest thing right there is just the small micro things and these games are huge in playoff basketball. So you always got to be able to counter. And I see Doc Rivers calling timeouts, and then all of a sudden you go on one-on-one um, with Lou against the Joker, and you're getting your shot blocked, and they just running. You know what I mean? Like those type of things are huge. Those one or two things for a timeout is to get that momentum going. But if you're playing one-on-one out of a timeout, what the hell are we playing calling timeout for? We already just did that play. You know yeah. what I mean? That's what we're calling timeout for, to get an easy bucket. Run the damn play. You know what I mean? Be confident and assertive in that situation, knowing that the play is going to work. Yeah, and in the past, I mean, one of the major things that Doc Rivers has always been good at is the out-of-timeout plays. And mm-hmm. as you said, I don't know – Obviously, you know, you went down the list of a number of things, but who knows if yeah. nerves are a factor or, you know, the reasoning for the players getting tight in these moments. But, uh, you know, you give some credit to Denver, of course, for stepping up their defense. But, you know, I also don't think there's a lot of 
off-ball movement going on. As you said, it goes one-on-one, gets stagnated. Everyone's just kind of standing around looking. And, you know, you expect Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to make a lot of those plays because they do. But when it gets tight late in the game, and now instead of, you know, as you said, snaking off the screen and coming open free, you're kind of driving into traffic into two, three guys. And because there's no movement, no one else is really even open because they're just standing in the same spot. So the defense, you know, kind of has the lanes clogged. So I think being able to get the ball moving, get player movement going on would help out in these second halves as well. And, of course, the obvious thing of you end up getting stops, you can push and transition and get easy looks. And, you know, that those third and fourth quarters of both of the past two games, either for fouls or just not playing good defense, they haven't been getting those stops. And it's, it's clearly affected uh, their offense on the other end. True, true, definitely. Yeah, yeah. They got their hands full in the next game. You know what I mean? They should play like the same way Denver's playing, with just nothing to lose. You know what I mean? And it's hard to say that, uh, being in the fact they are probably the winning winning team to to actually come out um, this alive. But they got to just like let it all go and get back to you know playing Clipper basketball, uh, swinging that ball. yeah, you had Kawhi Leonard damn near having like a, a nine point, I mean, nine assists, you know, game uh, during the season. All of a sudden, this is stopped. You know what I mean? So, guys are missing shots, which is normal in basketball, but you just got to figure out another way of getting this done. Yeah. So, I mean, if you know, we'd love to see shots fall for for guys that you expected to, you know, Lou Williams, Marcus Morris, Landry Shamit, uh, Jamichael yeah. Green, everyone down the line. Uh, yeah. But if those shots aren't falling, this team has the ability when they're fully locked in to to kind of hold teams down on the defensive end and, like you said, find other ways to score, get to the basket, get to the free throw line. And even if they have to grind this thing out, they've done that in a few games this postseason. They can win in different ways. They just have yeah. to be able to keep that effort consistent for 48 minutes. And I think also on top of that, like you said, just stay mentally strong down the stretch because for whatever reason – it's just gone away these past few games, and we know that they have at least a couple of the strongest, you know, toughest mentally guys, including Kawhi Leonard. You would hope in a game like this that that can help carry you through, but at the same time, you, you can't get it done on his own. Do you think that piece that, that implemented is, with Kawhi Leonard, you think that's kind of like a, a, a effect on these guys because, you know, like, you got you got you got Lou, you got Paul George, who also you know Lou is like Mr. Fourth Quarter. You know what I mean? That's his nickname of, of dominating the fourth quarter. We haven't seen him do that in, in a while. You know, you got Paul George, who's a closer as well. You know, a smooth closer, and you got all these closers that actually are trying to figure out still their niche of how to be that man, but not be you know so so dominant with the ball. Um, do you think that's an effect into, you know, the situation that's happening right now? You know, I, th- I think I'm sure that plays a role. But I think in this team, you know, even though they had issues earlier in the year in terms of chemistry, I think that it's a pretty close-knit group. It seems like it's pretty well-respected in the pecking order that Kawhi is kind of the alpha guy. And, you know, Paul George and Lou are obviously going to get their looks in the fourth quarter. But I think it's it's pretty well-known that, down the stretch they would like the ball to go to Kawhi Leonard but at the same time for him and he's done a phenomenal job 99% of the year I really I think only in these past few games we've seen him like you said kind of try to force things and that might be just when 
he saw that no one else was able to make a shot and just felt like he had to do something on his own. But um, I think just the trust factor with his teammates needs to be important for this next game. And, and, and on top of that, like I said, the player movement, the ball movement, once they get that thing flowing a little more, I think the trust uh, will be a little bit easier. And as you said, just not hesitating on these shots as well. You got a lot of guys head faking, pump faking, uh, and that half, you know, quarter, half a second is leading from what could be open shots to all of a sudden contest. You got to put the ball on the floor, you got to give it up, and then you're working up against the shot clock. So I think Kawhi is the guy, but uh, at the same time, you have to know when you, you know, you're forcing it and you got to keep getting teammates involved. So it's a little bit of a balancing act. Yeah. Yeah. True. So Alex, what are, what are your keys for for Game Seven? Because we know the Clippers obviously Game One they won by twenty three. They've been up by sixteen and nineteen the past two games. They have mm-hmm. clearly the ability to get this thing done. But what does it take in Game Seven uh, to put together the full game and you know close this thing out finally? Man, they've been doing an amazing job all the way to you know to the third quarter, seeing the lead um, and, and trying not to let up. But, you know, under circumstances, it gets down to them actually executing on, on the defensive end more than anything and getting stopped. So I think they need to key in on defense. That's the most important thing is just key in a little bit more on defense and the rotations. Yeah, no, I agree. I think uh, I think in this game, like we're saying, I think we'll see the rotations outside of any foul trouble, which who knows with that. But, um, you know, even though Zubats has been playing 30 minutes, we might see a few extra for him. You know, Jamichael Green was fantastic last game. He only played 20 minutes. I think we'll see more minutes for him because he's been a really effective and versatile player off the bench for them. And, yeah. uh, you know, as we said, uh, I think Montrez is amazing. He's a monster. He's one of my favorite players. But unless he's matched up against Plumley, this is not really the series for him. You know, he's a, it's a tough matchup against Jokic and – uh, I think we'll see a little bit of a minute reduction for some of the guys off the bench, Shamit as well. Uh, and we might see Doc go, you know, probably he'll play the eight, nine guys, but we'll see a big chunk of these minutes for, I think, six or seven of the guys rather than, you know, seven or eight like we have been uh, in the past couple of games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be a nice rotation going on, a tight knits rotation. And these guys are going to have to just, you know, balls out lace these shoes up and get this get this uh, series over with yeah so we know uh, we know Clipper Nation is anxious we know we're nervous uh, this team has as we know unfortunately we've heard it forever they have never gotten past the second round and have uh, put themselves in a, in a tough situation again so we'll we'll see what they do um, Alex any any prediction from you what's going to happen in this game seven we know the game plan but um, do you think they get it done or do you think Denver has the edge in this one Man, I would not be surprised at all. I think, I think, I think the Clippers are going to have this this victory, man. It's going to be a sweet thing for for them to to move on to the next round. Um, that's all I got to say. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to be ugly. I don't know if the referees are going to intervene or they're going to hit some crazy, outrageous shot to to happen. We're talking about NBA basketball where anything happens. You know what I mean? So just stay tuned. Stay glued, stay cheering these guys on, you know, from a distance. They in the bubble, away from their family, working hard, trying to put on the show. So so more than anything, just need that energy and that support. Yeah. You know, I think uh, the one biggest difference from 
this year to the past couple of years, even though it hasn't felt like it the past few days. But uh, this team, this team does have, who you know, we've talked about it. One of the top two, the best top three, whatever you want to classify it, players in the league in Kawhi Leonard. And the last time he was in a game seven, he he willed Toronto to a win over Philadelphia. Of course, that buzzer beater. He shot the ball well forty times in that game. You know, did whatever it took to get it done. So I think having that guy on your side uh, will come through big in a game like this on both ends of the floor. So I think they yeah. get it done. Uh, they've made it as tough as possible, but I think with with Kawhi, he should be the difference. So um, yes. it'll be interesting. You know, I I don't know what to expect. Expect like you said in terms of the game, the total game, whether it's a blowout and they can sustain it, whether it's nip and tuck and close the whole way but um i think the clippers are going to get it done i just think it's been a you give denver Let's their go. credit for for making it a really tough tough road but uh it should be a fun game seven okay let's get it man. let's get it just all right so that's going to do it for this week's edition of the believe in clippers podcast we will of course have a podcast to react to the game seven between the clippers and the nuggets tuesday 6 p.m on ESPN. So we'll see if the Clippers can get it done. They they say game seven, two best words in sports. Uh, doesn't feel that way right now, but hopefully the Clippers can, can make it feel a little sweeter by coming out and playing a full, strong 48 minutes. We'll see if they can get it done. If they are able to come away with a victory, we'll be talking about what we've been waiting for all year, Clippers, Lakers. If not, uh, we'll, uh, we'll drown our sorrows with you guys uh, on the next episode. But we'll hope for the best. Clippers, Nuggets, game seven coming up on Tuesday. We have you covered on the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network, and the only place for the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our LA teams. Do you believe? Go Clips. <laughs> for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.